Well, before I start my homily, uh, I've got a question for you guys. Um, it wasn't this morning, but it was last Sunday. I, uh, I come in, I get in the confessional around um, 7.15 or so, so I got here about 7 o'clock, and uh, I could smell smoke. I got in my car, I came here, I could smell smoke, and then when I came around to the front doors, there was, there was smoke coming out of the out of the front doors. I opened it up. This place was filled with smoke. Next thing you know, it's, it's, I could see it, was, it wasn't filled up enough that I couldn't tell that it was, it was emanating from the confessional. So I went into the confessional and uh, someone had lit a fire in the confessional. Does anybody know who lit that fire? Poor Bruce, his eyes back there are like saucers. I know. It was Jesus who lit that fire in the confessional. So today in our gospel, Jesus says, I have come to light the earth on fire. What is this fire that he's speaking about? It's the fire of his love. It's the fire of his charity. It's very interesting to think and just to kind of reflect on the fact that Christ, when describing his love, chose to use fire. Okay? He didn't say, I have come to wrap the earth in a big, warm-down comforter. Or I've come to wrap the earth in a nice, fluffy blanket. He came, he says, he came to light the earth on fire. And uh, just like you guys, I think probably some of you knew I, I was taking you for a ride there with that little story. But probably I think some of you too got a little, got a little alarmed, you know, and uh, maybe a little um, disturbed. So it's very interesting that Jesus' love is compared to something that's kind of alarming or disturbing, unsettling, not comfortable. Okay? So... That is the nature of Jesus' love. It's challenging. And then he goes on, he says, I have a baptism with which I must be baptized. How great is my anguish until it is accomplished. What is this baptism he's speaking about while well, he's comparing his cross to a baptism? His suffering, his passion. It was an immersion in suffering. It was an overwhelming flood of agony and of pain. And uncomfortableness, not a soft blanket. It's, it was like a fire. But he desired it with great anguish. He desired it. And it says in our second reading today from Hebrews, it says, For the sake of the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame. What does it mean? Well, first of all, some people say, what does it mean despising shame? Well, the cross is a very humiliating thing. But Jesus looked upon it and he says, Because of the joy... That's on the other side of that cross. The shame is nothing to me. I don't care about it. That's what it means. He despised the shame for the sake of the joy that was going to be his when he went through the cross. It's the joy of that love that he was going to establish in the earth. That fire that he was going to light the earth with in its midst was a great joy. And then he goes on and he says, Do you think I've come to establish peace? No, but rather division. 
What's this division? Well, Jesus' love, because it's kind of disturbing, because it makes us uncomfortable, sometimes we draw back from it. And some of us opt out of this whole offer. And others accept the offer. So there's a division that takes place. The image in my mind, I think, is very good and that we're all familiar with is the sacred heart. Think of the different pictures that we've seen of the sacred heart. Here's Jesus' heart, and there's flames bursting out the top of it. Okay, And there's certain prayers that are associated with that devotion. Furnace of charity, talking about Christ's sacred heart as a furnace of charity. And then this whole idea of Christ's baptism and his passion and suffering. We see the sacred heart surmounted by the cross, surrounded by the thorns, pierced by the lance. So we got the, the suffering and the passion associated with that flaming love. It was going to be through the cross that Christ would establish his love in the earth. And then finally, not in all images of the sacred heart, but in the one that sticks out in my mind, Jesus has actually got his own heart in his hand. And he's, he's got it out like this. He's offering it to us. As if to say, do you want this? Choose. Choose. And again, I think because Jesus is love, we, we, we suspect that it really entails a certain kind of intensity that maybe is a little intimidating. We sometimes recoil from the offer. We draw back and we say, um, no, okay, you stay over here and I'll stay over here and uh, I like you, but I don't know if I want to get too close to you because you're kind of dangerous. Jesus is love. His relationship of love that he wants to establish with us is so intimate and so close, it requires of us an incredible, an incredible honesty, an incredible authenticity, an incredible courage to be honest with our conscience, to be honest with our fellow human beings, and, and to be honest with God. And sometimes that kind of honesty, we can't quite face it, so we sort of back off and we choose not to take Jesus up on his offer. And uh, we do funny things sometimes as human beings, as creatures of the fallen nature, I, you, all of us. We, we play games with ourselves, we play games with one another, and uh, sometimes psychologists can observe these, this sort of wacky behavior that we do sometimes, and they have little tag words that they use. So there's a psychological uh, technical phrase called externalizing. And uh, what we do oftentimes is we have issues and problems in our own life, and our own hearts, that we have to deal with. we really got to confront ourselves and our own problems and issues and deal with them. But instead of doing that, we externalize and we say, oh, it's, it's uh, Anne's fault. Oh, okay, it's Andy's fault. It's someone else's fault. It's everybody else's fault but my fault. And we're very good at noticing the injustices, of other people, but we don't notice our own stupidities and failings. Okay, so we externalize, and sometimes people, you know, are have done bad things, and they, you know, have done, you know, are, are guilty. But being preoccupied with what other people do is a defense mechanism. It's a way of avoiding being honest with ourselves and dealing with our own problems. Uh, so we we can't experience authenticity and true love if we continue to cooperate with this impulse to externalize. 
Another funny thing we do is we think we can read people's minds. So uh, we look at people and we say, oh, he did that or she did that because they think I'm bad. They think I'm stupid. And we, we, have, we guess at what other people are thinking about us oftentimes, all right? And instead of actually going up to the person, it, you could do one of two things. Dismiss the thoughts. Don't share them with others. Okay, that's just going to make it worse. Uh, dismiss them or go up to the person and, and ask, Colette, you know, just one-on-one, -on -one, what, what do you think? Do you, I think that you might think this of me. Is that true? Ooh, can we do that? That's being authentic. That takes courage to do that, to actually confront someone out of love, out of a desire to be in true relationship with that person. Okay? Not out of, you know, a, a spirit of combativeness or anything like that, but out of true love. And uh, they might not give you an honest answer. And then if you suspect that, you tell them, you know, I don't know if I believe you or not. And if you're doing that out of love, little by little, you're going to get close. You're going to be like that fire that gets closer and closer. And uh, eventually, the falsehood and the inauthenticity is going to get burned up. And there's going to be true relationship, true transparency, true communication, true authenticity, true love is going to be there in that relationship. I think we experience this, probably many of you have experienced this, when there's been an uncomfortable topic between you and your sibling or you and your uh, son or daughter or friend, and you decide instead of to talk about it behind their back with someone else, you talk to them about it and you work through it, you actually become closer to that person after the conflict than you, than you were with that person before. I think many of us have experienced it. I certainly have myself. And uh, today, my brothers and sisters, I'm just going to mention that second precept of the church. The so precept is, you shall confess your sins at least once a year. Now, the American Bishop's Catechism goes on and says, this obliges in particular those who are conscious of serious sin. So if you're conscious of mortal sin, that's when you're, you're obliged by common sense to go to confession, okay, if you're conscious of mortal sin. But all the more so, the, the church doubly binds you to get yourself to confession uh, at least once a year in preparation for the Easter duty, which we spoke about last, uh, <clears throat> last week, last Sunday. But the Catechism goes on and says something very good here. It says, Regular reception of the sacrament of penance helps to prepare us not only to receive the Eucharist, but also to continue the process of conversion that was begun in baptism. That process of conversion is the process of growth in authenticity. It's a process of growth in our relationship of honesty and love with Jesus and with one another. And the confessional, my brothers and sisters, is a privileged context within which we can meet Jesus and grow in authenticity. In our bulletins today, you'll notice I put a little insert, kind of goes over the mechanics of confession, and then on the back it has an examination of conscience. That examination is yet one more way that God gives to us to be authentic and honest with ourselves so that we can come into an, a truly intimate relationship of love with Jesus. So I leave you with that today, my brothers and sisters. Please avail yourself of the sacrament of reconciliation. We, we figured out who lit the fire back in that confessional. Uh, but now after speaking about love and intimacy and authenticity with our own conscience 
And with one another, we know why he lit that fire.